You're listening to Financial Insights, a podcast that helps investors through the difficult maze of financial planning and saving for retirement. I'm Brian Ullman, and I'm a financial advisor and certified financial planner at Ford Financial Group. And together with some guests and other advisors at my firm, we're talking about the issues and questions relating to finance that face our clients every day. Okay, we're back from another fantastic weekend. I don't know about you, but I can see the difference of people getting back out there and doing things again. There's no doubt about it. The restaurants are busier. Retail sales are up and you can see it in the stores. People are out buying things. I've heard from my dentist a term that I had not heard before. She was telling me about, I think it's called rage traveling or revenge travel, rage traveling, I think it was, um, where everybody is aggressively getting back out there and making up for lost time. Not just getting back in the swing of things, but making up for lost time. Uh, boy, it is it is coming like a wave, uh, which is interesting. I think this has really been priced into markets for some time now. Uh, as we look back to the indices performance last week, uh, despite all of this surge that we're seeing, uh, things were, were down. S&P 500 was down for a second straight week, a little bit less than half of a percent. Dow Jones Industrial Average down about a half of a percent. NASDAQ was positive slightly after a, I mean, it was an up and down week last week. It was, um, really, the NASDAQ really reversed course as traders added risk um, kind of later in the week as results, earnings results and, and improved initial jobless came, claims uh, started to show up. And I, really, as June approaches, the NASDAQ still, though, continues to lag over all the major U.S. indices on a year-to-date basis. Um, but that's following a strong performance last year, right? Because uh, the stay-at-home technology names were the ones that were really surging ahead. And now this is given, away, given way to the cyclical kind of value names that tend to perform well during an early economic expansion. Um, Fixed income sectors gained marginal ground this week as interest rates moved slightly lower despite improving weekly filings for jobless claims. I think it's in a positive sign, the prices firmed up on, on the 10-year treasury uh, during the Wednesday afternoon and Thursday and Friday trading sessions as markets took increasing talk of the Federal Reserve tapering their bond purchases in stride, which is a good sign. Um, you know, we've seen we've seen freakouts from markets before. Uh, most recently in late 2018 with the Fed and, and what they're doing with raising rates or tapering. There's something called a taper tantrum a number of years ago, if you recall. And on Wednesday, really, uh, the Fed, through its April meeting minutes, stated that it, it may be appropriate to begin to consider tapering asset purchases at an upcoming meeting if the economy continues to improve. Now, listen to that. They are going to begin to consider. So they're going to start to think about it. Not that they're going to do it. They're going to start perhaps thinking about it. There's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of beginnings in there. Um, but it, it, this, I think, is seen as a sign that the Fed sees both their employment and inflation targets as starting to reach their goals. Um, normalization, right? That's what we're seeing here. Um, nevertheless, uh, the Fed chair noted that the recovery currently remains in, quote, uneven and far from complete, end quote. Um, in, in in that kind of place, uneven and far from complete. Uh, with regard to inflation, the Fed essentially took an assured view, noting that the short-term price pressures were transitory or temporary and would like to kind of 
that these price pressures of these inflation pressures are likely to fade uh, as the economy continues to recover. In addition, the Fed anticipated rising demand with the economic reopening. And while supply chain, uh, supply chain challenges may persist and cause further upward pressure on price levels, they think it's going to even out. So uh, uh, if you're interested in a little bit more talk on inflation, I would encourage you to go online, whether it's Facebook or YouTube, and check out Ford Financial Group's uh, Casual Friday uh, webcast. Uh, where this past week, uh, Steve Jolly and I uh, walked walked through some inflation uh, discussions, talking about the Fed inflation, and uh, and some charts kind of to help that along. So I might even post the audio from that a little bit later this week. But um, you, you know, we the leading at, uh, economic indicators were published last week, uh, and it. It pointed to steadily improving growth for most of the global economy. Uh, initial jobless claims continued to decline. Uh, last week, the Department of Labor uh, said that 444,000 Americans filed for unemployment insurance last week, which was better than the consensus of over 450,000 and another new pandemic low. Um, so we, the the pace of the job recovery has marginally slowed in recent weeks, but I think bigger gains lie ahead as the economy continues to reopen and people are getting back out there, whether it's out to restaurants, shopping in the stores, or as my dentist said, rage traveling or revenge travel, whatever the traveling is, they're aggressively traveling. Um, We're starting to get back out there. So a bumpy week to be sure, but ultimately, you know, despite what people were fearing midweek, we, uh, we wound up being okay uh, with the markets, the indices marginally lower across the board. Okay, without recap out of the way, I wanted to this week. I wanted to cover something a little bit more general, which is five smart investing principles. There are some things that just are true for investors over time, no matter almost no matter what. And I know there's there's no shortage of self-help material available for people looking to boost their investing knowledge. Between television programs, magazines, and other information sources, you can read about the best this and the most important that. And it's easy to get confused, especially when you get conflicting ideas and conflicting advice. But to uh, if we understand a few key principles for investing, it can be a great place to start. It can give you a better framework to understand the information as you take in some of these ideas that you learn and research. Uh, it can also provide some context for evaluating the concepts and strategies that you are learning about as you're learning about investing. And so today, we're going to go through five smart investing principles. And these are key concepts that can help you understand what it takes to create an investment portfolio or work with a financial advisor to create an investment portfolio that's designed to pursue your investment goals and not someone else's. So getting into this, you probably already know me. My name is Brian Ullman. I'm a financial advisor and certified financial planner here at Ford Financial Group. Um, And we help experienced investors, but we also help new investors, and we help investors who are looking for some professional guidance. Uh, and so that's why these principles are true, whether you're doing these things by yourself or you're investing with a professional. Uh, these are some things that are good across the board. The five smart investing principles uh, that are helpful to understand will help you break the cycle of buying high and selling low. Now, are there other 
investing principles beyond these five? Yeah, of course there is. Uh, but for the purposes of our discussion today, we're going to focus on five that, that we here believe are critical to understand. First, you need to estimate your time horizon. Is your horizon time horizon three years away with this investment that you're considering? Or is it 30 years away? The second thing, know your risk profile. Can you tolerate big swings in the value of your investments? Or do you prefer less volatility? I think knowing your risk profile really is, an, is as an important step as any as you consider various types of investments for your portfolio, whether you're working with a professional or you're doing it yourself in your 401k or something like that. Third item, diversify, diversify, diversify. That can be three through six here, I guess. Um, it's, it, it's so important that um, we maybe should put it at the top, but this is the good old don't have all of your eggs in one basket argument and something we'll cover here in just a bit. The fourth item, consider the effects of taxes and inflation as you work on your investments because those are factors that often go missed. Uh, and and finally, to um, get started now, take the initiative, get going, get rolling by putting money into that retirement account. If you learn nothing else, from listening to this podcast today. Please understand the importance of getting started now. When it comes to pursuing investment goals, the more time you have for your returns to compound, the better. Um, and, and I will say this as we dig into these five. Keep in mind that a diversified portfolio doesn't assure a profit or protect you against loss in a declining market. Those are the rules. Those are those are the disclosures or the disclaimers, if you will, that we need to to include in here. But diversifying certainly can turn the volume down on the volatility. Okay, so let's dig in on number one. We'll take a look at the first principle: estimating your time horizon. Generally, if your time horizon is short, you might be more comfortable with a more conservative investing approach. Certain investments can be volatile and are probably not appropriate if you have a short term horizon here. Uh, if your child is headed to college in five years, many people might say that you have a midterm horizon. You want to be, you may want to be less conservative with your investing approach um, and have a lot, a larger exposure to equity investments um, under those conditions. But keep in mind, you're getting close to needing the money. And so as you move from midterm to short term, you'll need to dial things back because your time horizon is becoming smaller. Now, when you have a long-term horizon, you might consider adopting a more aggressive approach. If you intend to retire in 10 to 15 years and you have a larger exposure to stock investments, that would make more sense. One way to lower your exposure to stock market risk is by investing for the long term, which gives your, your money time to recover from periods of market fluctuations and loss. Now, of course, here we go. Another disclaimer of past performance is no guarantee of future results, but the longer you are in the market, the odds improve drastically that you're going to have a positive return. So let's move from estimating your time frame onto our next principle, which is knowing your risk, your risk profile. How much tolerance do you have for risk? Uh, it's easy to say, oh, I can handle a high level of risk, um, but that's not, in my experience, that's not always the case. So it's a good idea to ask yourself some pointed questions and be honest with yourself with the answers. What happens to your outlook if the value of your investment drops? How much could you lose and still be willing to stay in the market? 
It's also helpful to ask yourself, how, I, how would I describe my investment knowledge? There are some television programs that help people understand investments and how markets work. Uh, these days, YouTube and even sometimes TikTok is where some people are getting some in, investment research, God forbid. But if most of your investment knowledge has come from television personalities or TikTok or YouTube or wherever it is, you may want to consider getting a second opinion, a professional opinion on your approach. I like to say, that your risk profile or your risk tolerance is found when things are going badly, not when things are going well. When markets are moving higher, everybody thinks they're risk on, right? So here's another helpful series of questions to ask yourself as we as we kind of figure out what your risk profile might be. What would you rather have right now? $500 right now or a 50% chance at 2000 Many people go for the 2000 and rightfully so. You have a 50-50 chance. The decision tree here shows the $2,000 answer carries a potential value of $1,000. But let's add a few zeros and see if that changes your perspective. What would you rather have? $50,000 right now or a 50% chance at $200,000? That same decision tree says the opportunity to win $200,000 has the highest potential value. But in reality, many people second guess that decision because $50,000 is a lot of money. Now, there's no right answer to these questions, but the idea here is for you to simply understand the concept of risk and the higher potential return comes with higher risk, where you go from cash and cash type investments, low risk, low return, up to fixed income or bond or debt kind of investments. You move from there up to stocks, more risk, more potential return, and then all the way out clear to speculative investments that can hit home runs for you, but can strike out just the same. If you have a question, you don't know your risk profile, that's something we can help you with uh, because risk comes from different sources. Uh, for example, there are external risks that can influence the price of a stock. That is, if sources of, uh, sources of risk that are outside of a company's influence it could be economic risk, market risk, interest rate risk, political risk, tax risk, all of which we're kind of wrestling with here in the first half of 2021. Uh, and so let's take a closer look at one of those risks, market risk. If the overall stock market trends lower, many stock prices would be expected to trend lower as well. Conversely, if the market trends higher, many stock prices may move higher. It's like an old expression, a rising tide lifts all boats. Well, on the other side of the scale are company-specific risks. These risks are that are, are unique to the company, like a delayed product launch, unexpected expenses, supplier problems, a shakeup in management, perhaps. Uh, by buying stock in an individual company, you're agreeing to accept a certain amount of company-specific risk. That leads us to our next item, our next investment principle, diversification. Diversification suggests that a portfolio of different kinds of investments, on average, may yield a higher potentially yield a higher return and pose less risk than any individual investment. So in short, diversification helps manage the company-specific risks that I just kind of covered uh, a minute ago. Let's assume an investor who has an investor has $750,000 to invest. On the on, on one side we have a hypothetical kind of $750,000 placed into a single investment. Similarly, we have another investor who has the same amount, but divided between three different investments, 250, 250, 250,000. 
Diversification is an approach to help manage risk, but it doesn't eliminate the risk of loss if security prices decline. It's this, so this example here is a hypothetical one and doesn't rec- uh, represent any specific kind of investment. But after 20 years, the single investment, assuming a 5% annual return, will have roughly grown to about two, $2 million. During the same period, though, our diversified portfolio will have grown to just over $2 million if one of those is a total loss, one of the investments has a 6.5% return, and one of the investments has an 8% return. Um, and th- that's at the end of 20 years. And so diversification is an approach that can help manage individual investment risk doesn't eliminate the possibility of security loss. Um, But here, if we have one single investment with a 5% return, three investments with a total loss, a 6.5% return, and an 8% return, which is not an outlandish hypothetical here, you actually do better with the diversified investments as opposed to piling all all into one spot. But there's more to diversification than simply spreading your money around to different investments. In principle, you want to select investments that have low correlation with each other. That is, investments that don't tend to behave the same way in a market environment. I don't want to get too deep in the weeds here, but one measure of correlation is called the beta. The beta is a measure of a stock's correlation with the overall stock market. So beta is a measure of how likely a stock is to move up and down as the overall stock market moves up and down. Um, something to consider when you're looking at investments, what uh, what the beta may be. Beta can be negative. So for example, a stock with a beta of a negative one one would expect to see its value fall by a percent when the market rises by a percent. So um, correlations and and beta is a way to understand how well the diversification is actually working. Okay, let's move on to our next principle, which is considering taxes and inflation as you invest. Uh, it, it's interesting to see how many days it works to how many days you have to the average american has to work to pay their taxes annually you have to work 44 days on average according to the tax foundation in 2018 44 days to pay your individual income taxes you have to work 26 days to pay your social security taxes and there are other taxes like property taxes uh, that require several days of your efforts as well so when you're putting your money to work taxes are part of the return here. So when you're looking at a return on your investment, ask yourself, what's my return after taxes? Um, another silent thief you have to watch out for is the effect of rising prices, inflation. Inflation's all the rage right now among um, investment types worried about what the, the future holds for inflation. Over the long term, inflation erodes the purchasing power of your income and your wealth. It's really easy to see. You look at prices in 1967, a new house cost a little bit more than $14,000 on average. In 2017, it was four hundred and two, almost $403,000. Income was $7,300 a year in, in 1967. It's, it was $61,000 in 2017. A gallon of gas was 33 cents. In 1967, it was $2.42 in 2017. As long as you weren't living in California, then it was a whole lot more. So we're, we're seeing whether it's average price of a new home, gallon of gas, median house, household income, all of that has changed over time. And so you want to make sure your purchasing power can remain. Um, 
if you have a dollar that's not invested, it is eroding because that dollar will not buy you as much five or 10 years from now as it buys, as it buys you today. So it's almost like the beginning, the most basic golden rule of investing is make sure your investments can allow you to at least keep up with inflation to keep your purchasing power intact. Let's move on to our last investment principle here today, procrastination or getting started now, whatever you want to call it. Procrastination is costly. Uh, Just take this example, for example. If you were to deposit $250,000 in an account earning 6%, at the end of 20 years, your account would be worth a little bit more than $801,000. If you waited five years before your before starting that investment program, the same two hundred fifty thousand dollars would have five fewer years to work, and would grow to just short of six hundred thousand dollars. Where that's more than two hundred thousand dollars swing. Um, if you waited ten years and then started the same investment program with a six percent annual rate of return, you'd only wind up with four hundred forty seven thousand dollars. So, to put it another way, waiting ten years to start with this same investment was a $350,000 decision. That's a lot. So keep in mind, again, this is a hypothetical example for illustrative purposes only. We're not representing specific investments here. It's really designed to illustrate the, the drastic difference that comes by starting early. So if you're ready to move forward, we've got some specific action items to help you get started. First, put together a personal income statement. You want to identify all your sources of income and where your money is going. There's nothing better than a budget that tells you where you're spending. And then after you're done with that, next, put together a simple balance sheet. It gives you a good snapshot of your assets and your liabilities and tells you what you have and what you owe. And then also identify your long-term, your medium-term, and your short-term financial goals. What do you need to tackle now? What's the plan for down the road? Um, And then finally, be honest with yourself about your tolerance for risk. Can you stomach big market swings? Are you comfortable with less volatility? Once you've figured out and sized up your personal finances, it's probably a good time after you kind of take measure here uh, to talk with a financial uh, financial professional and get started. Um, You know, following a few smart investment principles can help make your investment efforts more effective, but that's not exactly where it ends. Effective investing requires an ongoing effort, and there's a lot more than just these principles to know. Um, There are different questions that come up uh, at different stages of life. You know, what early on, young family, what's the best way to fund our children's education? Um, If you're in retirement, should you change the allocation of your portfolio now that you're no longer working? Uh, What if you're single and you're a small business owner? Your business is doing well. What's the best way to put extra income to work for your family's future? Um, You like to research online? Okay. Does it make sense to watch the market every day and trade on what happens there? All these answers to all these questions really kind of depend on each unique situation. And that's where working with a financial professional can come in. And that's where we can kind of help you out here at Ford Financial Group, specifically with the risk tolerance question also. I mean, we can certainly handle all these other things that I've covered. But if you're looking for a takeaway today, uh, email us at info at FordFG.com and we will send you a risk profile questionnaire. And you can take that and fill it out and have you maybe give you a little bit better understanding of where your risk tolerance is as compared to... Uh, where you might think it is. (laughs) So 
We had a long one today, but I think it was productive. It's always good to go through some basic investing principles. If you have questions, like I said, email us info at Ford FG. You can find us on the web, FordFG.com. My name is Brian Ullman. I look forward to talking to you in the next one. The advisors with Ford Financial Group are registered representatives with and securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, and SIPC. Investment advice is offered through Ford Financial Group, a registered investment advisor and a separate entity from LPL. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Stock investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. The economic forecasts set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted. Ford Financial Group and LPL Financial do not provide tax or legal advice or services. This information is not intended as a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security referred to herein.